ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाक That can't compare to one time taking one rasgulla offered to Krishna. So what would you rather do? <laughs> anyway, no one's going to the Himalayas. So there's no question. Even if they go, you go to Badrinath now. You see everyone driving their Maruti cars with their disco music blaring out. Oh, we went to Badrinath for yatra. <laughs> you saw everything. You see, here's here's the photo of. Here's the photo in the hot springs, and here's the photo on the mountain, and here we are in our swimming trunks. We went for a yatra. We got a lot of punya. Next year we're going to go to Banaras. You'll see the photo, yeah, of me disco dance on the bank of the Ganges, <laughs> getting some punya. So anyway, no one's interested in all this. Religious activities and everything. So even if you just take prasada, you make more advances because you're approaching Krishna. If we approach Krishna, then all the causes of our suffering melting and melting. Take prasad. Why are we distributing prasad? We have this food for life program. What does this food for life mean? Is anyone starving? No. What does it mean? Food for life. Does it mean that by feeding them they stay alive? It means giving them spiritual life. Otherwise, we're not interested in feeding people. Feeding means everyone's got food. If you feed them, they think very nice. They save ten rupees. So ten rupees more, I can get some hooch. Maybe if, if the Hari Krishnas can't feed me enough, I'll save up and I can buy some foreign beer. And I'll be very prestigious. In the Joba Party, if you can drink foreign beer, must be very, very uh, prestigious. So no one's starving. But food for life means giving prasadam. That you get spiritual life. It's not just eating. Oh, good. We we'll come to the Hare Krishna temple, then we don't have to cook on Sunday. That's all. Say, we will have more time for watching the video. The ladies, they also don't have to cook. Boring. Now, get the food out of the can. Throw it in the pot. Here's your dinner. No, giving prasad, Krishna prasad, food for real life, not simply for this body, but spiritual nourishment. So why are we inviting people to come here? Take prasada, take darshan, and hear, hear this lecture also. Otherwise, take prasada, you take darshan. But unless we understand what is the purpose of Krishna bhakti, why are we? What, what is the purpose of building this whole temple? Why are we inviting people to come? Then we may take it as a very, not very important. ಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್ಣಿಕೃಷ್
They're just making preparations how to die. That's all. Everyone's simply going on the way to death. There's no purpose. It's simply so many times you are born, so many times you die. And again you're going to die. That's all. Simply you think you're sleeping, you're passing stools, sometimes you get sick, you go to the doctor, you have a few children, and then after some time you go on and you die. Then you get born again, and what do you do? You grow up, you play in school, or you have fights with the other children. You grow up, you go to college, you get a good job, very good job, and then uh, you do the same thing. After some time you die. And then maybe next time you get born as a dog, and then you don't have to go to school. You learn everything on the street. How to eat, sleep, mate, and defend, dog style. And some like you may be a god, but every time you simply born and die. But coming to this Hare Krishna movement means learning how to live. Learning how to stop death by understanding Krishna. Janma karma chame divyam evam yoveti tattvataha tattva deham punar janma na punare janma na no more birth. Maneti compare. He comes to me. Who takes up Krishna consciousness and understands Krishna? He no longer has to take birth. Understand Krishna means what? That Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. Bhuktaram, Yagyatapasam, Sarva Loka Mahishwaram, Suhridam, Sarva Bhutanam, Yatamam, Shanti Vrikshati. How can you get Shanti? Just understand, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. I'm not the enjoyer. As, we, as much as we try to enjoy in this material world, we suffer. That attempt to enjoy is criminal. The attempt to enjoy separately from Krishna is the cause of our suffering again and again and again. So when we understand that Krishna is the supreme enjoyer, everything should be offered to Krishna. Then we become within the laws, within Krishna's laws. Sarva Loka Maheshwara, Krishna is the supreme proprietor. I'm not the proprietor. Our endeavor to control, this is my property, this is my company, this is my family. This is all illegal. This is all against the laws of God. Therefore we have to suffer. And Suharidam Sarva Bhutanam, Krishna is the friend of everyone. So our endeavor to put others down, modern life means rat race. Who can get ahead of others? Get ahead of others means push others down. Push them aside, down, anyway, I will go up. Don't care for others. Don't care for anything. Just somehow or other bring money, enjoy life. So this attitude has to be changed. That Krishna, he is the friend of everyone, therefore I should not be unfriendly to anyone. Krishna is Suharidam, Sarva Bhutana, he is a friend of every living being. Therefore I, we should be also Advesha Sarva Bhutanam Maitra Kavanakita. It should be our attitude also. Not envious of anyone. Friendly to everyone. Merciful to everyone. So, this point should be understood. Then we can achieve peace. What kind of peace? Not simply someone has, they do a little meditation in only ten minutes. They feel very peaceful. And all the day, hectic. And anyway, you may be feeling peaceful, but then you have to die. So when Krishna says that you achieve peace, that means you achieve eternal, eternal peace. Eternal peace means you go back to Krishna. 
This material life means always disturbance. Now in the modern age we're talking about stress, tension, causes of so many different diseases, mental diseases, anxiety, frustration. But this is the natural condition of the material world. Everyone in this material world is suffering, frustration. Everyone must be frustrated. Because whatever we want, we can't get. We want to be like God. We can't. And even if we get some position in which we think we have more illusion of being God, just like Cassius Clay, I am the greatest. Or a big businessman. There's a big illusion of controlling. Even anybody, family life, I am the father, I am the controller of this family. That big illusion is there. But it all ends in frustration. Because at the end of life, whatever is there, Everything is taken away by Krishna in the form of time. So, this material life is full of suffering. We are the cause of it. We cannot blame anyone else. It's not God's fault. It's not we blame, I'm suffering. Why? It's the government's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my boss's fault. No. The outer, we are here because of our own fault, because we have this envy of Krishna. Therefore, Krishna conscious means to understand who we are. We are not these bodies, we are eternal spirit souls. We are servants of Krishna. We have to serve Krishna. Then we become happy. People, oh, no, I don't want this. I don't want to show myself as inferior to anyone, not even God. Therefore, you suffer in this material world. If you are such a fool that you can't recognize that I am totally insignificant. If we are so proud that we cannot even bow down before God, then we suffer in this material world. Then you continue with your illusion. I'm a big businessman. I'm a big yogi. I'm a big boxing fighter. I'm a big dog. Whatever it may be. Whatever body we're in, we are simply thinking, I am so great. But we're not at all great. We are insignificant. We become significant when we recognize our relationship with Krishna. Then we actually become great. Who is great in this world? We are surrendered to Krishna. And everyone else, they are simply suffering in different bodily forms. So many big, big names are there. Gandhi, Jinnah, Nehru, Napoleon, Einstein. And where are they all now? If they are such great persons, where are they all now? Who can say? Suffering somewhere else in the material world. They had the chance to be in the big illusion. I'm so important. Gandhi. I'm so important. If you don't do what I want, I'll fast to death. <gasps> don't do that. I will. <gasps> oh, Gandhi. Oh, I'm so important. Jinnah. I will get Pakistan. Just father of the nation. Nehru. I am the prime minister. Now where is he? No one can sit. No one can sit. Same Ahanka. I am the head of the family. The dog in the street. I am the biggest dog. This is all illusion. It's all suffering. Krishna isn't giving us this advice. Don't identify yourself with this body. You're not this body. As long as we identify with this material nature, we are simply producing our suffering. It's like a great chain of karmic reaction. And I'm in one body because of the previous body I got. And now... Instead of using this body to understand Krishna, I'm simply perpetuating my illusion, perpetuating my material life so I get another body. It goes on and on and on until we come to this point of saying, I had enough. 
Now I'm surrender to Krishna. Just like being beaten, 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 beaten. <gasps> All right, enough. I surrender. Then we surrender a little bit and then we get free. Well, maybe I can try again. Kantinam <laughs> Chakra has given some good advice. Jeev Krishna Das, Evishas, Karneka, Ardukanai. Just this one little line in very simple Bengali language, if we can understand. Jeev Krishna Das, I am Jeev, means I am eternal spirit soul. I am not this body. Jeev Krishna Das, I am the servant of Krishna. I am not the master of Krishna. I am not the master of anybody. I am the servant of Krishna. When you are very lucky, by the mercy of you and Krishna, you get to see the devotional service. So that is my good fortune. So you may say, what is it, some kind of lottery game? And even Einstein said, I don't believe God is playing dice with the universe. It's not a lottery. But the fact is that one who is lucky, what is that luck? That is analyzed. Just like someone may think, I'm very lucky, or this person is very lucky because he's born in a rich family. Or this person is very lucky because a very nice, well-built, healthy body. So these are, that is material good luck. That means from your previous lives, you did some activities by which you get some punya. Materialistic punya means Janma Aishwarya Shruta Shri. One who has birth in a good family, sufficient money from birth or sin. You see, some people, even without trying, money is always in their hands. And others, they struggle like anything and they never have any money. Some people, they have, someone will look in their hand. Money, money is there. Janma Aishwarya Shruta, some people are more intelligent or well educated. And someone is good looking. This is Bhogamukhi Punya. That is good luck. People perform pious activities with the object of getting uh, materialistic enjoyment. That is called Bhogamukhi Punya. That is good luck in this in materialistic sense. There's another kind of Punya, Mukhi. Uh, someone performs pious activities which help one on the path of impersonal liberation. Then there is Bhaktyamukhi Punya. That means if someone does something in a previous life which is conducive towards devotional service, then in the next life he gets the opportunity to take up more bhakti. So, just like for instance, dog. In the body, a jiva in the body of a dog somehow rather gets the opportunity to eat some prasad. So, first thing is, next life as a result, Krishna Prasad, he'll get human body, with the opportunity to at least take some more prasad. So those who have performed pious activities conducive to bhakti in their previous lives, then their consciousness becomes somewhat pious, it becomes somewhat uh, ready for receiving bhakti. Just like you see, we're preaching Krishna conscious all over the world. We say the same thing more or less to everybody. You're not this body, surrender to Krishna. Some people... They just read one of Prabhupada's books and immediately they come. Where's the temple? I want to join. And others, they read it. They read it. Just like when I first saw one of Prabhupada's books, I saw someone who started to read it and they folded the page on page one and never gone back again. Their interest lasted for two paragraphs. No interest. I read it and my life changed. 
So, those who have performed pious activities which are conducive to bhakti, they can take up bhakti. They are more ready to take up bhakti. Like Krishna says in Gita, Yesham Tantagatam Pāpam Jananam Punyakāmanam Tridvanta Mohanyam Tarvajantinam Dhridhavata Those who have performed pious activities in previous lives and in this life, who have freed from the duality of delusion, take up my service in all earnestness. Now, one has to be somewhat ready when it's just like building up a bank balance. When you get enough, you can start your own business and buy your own house. So when there is sufficient build-up of, actually not bhakti, but the lead into bhakti, that's called agyata sukriti. Sukriti, you may know or you may not know. Just like the dog is eating prasad. For him it's food. He doesn't know. He doesn't care what it is. It's food. But he's getting some touch of Krishna's mercy. So when that builds up, the consciousness becomes purified sufficiently. So when, when you hear the message of Krishna, you feel it goes to your heart. You want to take it up seriously. So for this reason, Krishna comes himself and shows himself. He preaches. When Krishna was here in this world, he traveled. He was in Vrindavan. He went to Mathura. And he went to Dwarka. From Dwarka, sometimes he went to Mithila. Sometimes to Kurukshetra. Sometimes to Varanasi. When he was traveling, so many people on the way saw him. Ramachandra Bhagavan. He was in Ayodhya. Then he went to all of India. He went means that so many people saw him, took advantage. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. Nityananda Prabhu, Balaram. They all traveled so people could see them. So in the same way, Krishna sends his devotees who travel all over the world and people can take advantage of their instruction. Those who are more pious, it doesn't matter, they may be diseased, they may be a beggar, they may be educated, but if they have whatever their external situation may be, but if they have some feeling for bhakti in their heart, that when they come in contact with Krishna and his devotees, either directly or by getting one of these books, somehow or other they come in contact with bhakti, they feel, yes, this is what I want. And they take it up more seriously. So the external position doesn't matter so much. You may be diseased. Everyone is diseased. Everyone gets sick. And everyone is diseased by the illusion of thinking I'm this body. So everyone is diseased, but if he comes into contact with Krishna consciousness, he can take up the process by which he becomes free from disease forever. Anyone can take it. It's up to anybody. Then again we may say, well then, what about those people who never did any pious activities, who never had any touch of bhakti? By the mercy of the Lord's devotees, even totally impious people, they can also be saved. Because bhakti, that anyone in any way, if they take to devotional service, that cuts all, cuts out, cuts through all their sinful activities, all their envy of Krishna. If somehow or other, if one agrees to open up his heart, to Krishna, to allow the sound of Hare Krishna to come in his ears. If he allow, if somehow or other, if he takes to that, even he may have had millions of lifetimes as a great demon, great asura, then immediately that is all wiped away. Krishna says, If you surrender to me, I immediately, I forget all the sinful activities from millions of lives. So bhakti is open to everybody, especially Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. There's, oh, who is pious in the modern age? Everyone is sinful. Everyone is uh, inclined towards sinful activities. 
hardly anybody is inclined towards pious activities, and even those who are somewhat pious, they're misled. Just like I was saying with Sai Baba, who goes to Sai Baba? Mostly people, you might say, they're quite pious from the external point of view, but they get totally misled by thinking that someone who can do some magic tricks is God. So they're very unfortunate. So who's pious? Gradually in Kali Yoga, everyone is sinful. But by the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Dino Hino Jato Chilo Harinama Harino. Those who are most fallen by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's gift of the holy name of Krishna, they're all saved. So this is a great opportunity. You should tell everybody. Tell all your friends. They may take it seriously enough, doesn't matter, you don't lose anything. Tell them that by chanting Hare Krishna, you can get free from birth and death. Any other question? Said that it is the ahankar which comes in the way of surrendered Krishna. Hmm. Why do we have ahankar at all? We have ahankar because we are rascals. <laughs> because we want to think, I am very great. Krishna is not very great, I am very great. This is ahankar. You overcome it by instead of thinking, I am very great, think Krishna is very great. Very simple, extremely simple, but we don't want to take it because we are attached to thinking, I am great. But as far as body consciousness, that, that I will never go. That I will never go? Why not? <coughs> you will never go, you will go, you'll change body, then you'll get bodily consciousness of another body. Bodily consciousness has to go. If we think I'm this body, and we're never going to understand who is God and who is Krishna, because we're not this body. We have very strong identification with this body. It's just like in a dream. We think a tiger is chasing me. There's no tiger, but we feel it as real. In the same way, we're in this body. This body is temporary. We have no real connection with this body. But just like in a dream, we, we feel it very vividly. The tiger is chasing me. Last night, I was having a dream, a very strange dream. Someone with some virus, some severe virus was wanted to touch me. Some virus by which all his body skin came off. And only some nasty creature with all blood and bones and muscles. So, a nasty dream. But it's only a dream. It has no reality. When you're dreaming, you feel it as real. But when you wake up, it's not real at all. So, in the same way, we're not this body, but because we're identifying with it, we think it's real. But when we wake up and understand I'm not this body, then we'll understand it's not real. That's all. Attain self-realization by chanting the holy names of Krishna, understanding that He is the Supreme Self and we are all His eternal servants. Just go on chanting. Go on chanting. First thing, take it up seriously. And I'll definitely make progress. First you have to take up the process seriously, otherwise there's no question of progress. If we are the children of the God, I'd like to shoot people. Always, my child, whatever you like. The father is not the servant of the children, that he just indulges them whatever they like. But he guides them in such a way that is for their ultimate benefit. And if they don't act in such a way that is proper, he disciplines them also. That is his kindness. You must have had children. I have, but I look after them. You look after them means you let them do whatever they like?
When they're little children and they start to when they're little children they start to rip the books apart. You just think, oh, let them do whatever they want. No, that is a natural thing. Child should serve. That's modern society in India is all Ulta Siddha Children should serve the father. Children serve the father and even in the material sense, they will be happy and the father will be pleased with them. So we are all servants of God, we are children of God. Yes, servant. Also children means that it's not a boss relationship like in a factory. You serve the boss, but it's a relationship of love. Love, first thing there has to be sense of subordination. Within that love, first we have to understand we are subordinate. Then our spiritual life can begin. Later on we understand loving relationships. First we have to understand that I am not God. We are, at the present time, we are trying to dominate God. That this material nature is the gift of God, that is the production of God. We are trying to dominate that. So we are trying to take God's position. So first thing we should understand that I am subordinate. That is the first thing to understand. Just like a child when he gets naughty, father may be very playing within this and that, but when the child becomes very naughty, then he has to discipline. You have to understand. You have to do what I am saying. That's all. The child may say, why? There's no why. Father is superior. The children doesn't know what is his own best interest. And he simply has to follow. The father knows what. Yes. Could you please speak a little loudly? I have a mic. Yes. The real purpose of life is to get free from the illusion that I am the enjoyer of this material world, to come to our actual position, which is the servant of God. That's all. Very simple. Any other question? So many questions. How, how are we running for time? Is there any time limit? Hmm? You can go till you Okay. We just had the child alert now. No, the parents should guide the children as to what is best for them. If you say the children should just do whatever they like and have freedom, that means they won't develop as civilized human beings. A child actually is like an animal in many ways. He has no sense of discrimination. No sense of control, can't even control his passing stool. The child has to be trained how to live as a human being, then he can be happy. If the child is not trained, they may say, well, let him follow his natural inclinations. But that will be the cause of great distress for him in the future. Just like Prabhupada told the story, there was one boy who was brought up by his aunt, and his aunt indulged him. You do whatever you like. So he did whatever he liked, and he got in bad company. When he got older, he became a dacker. So he used to kill people and rob them and so many things. So uh, he was eventually caught and sentenced to public hanging. So then when he was going up to be executed, it's, uh, what is your last wish? Please call my aunt who is there crying in the crowd. Please call her over. And he said, please put your ear very close because he was tied up. So she thought he wants to say something in his ear, in her ear. He bit off her ear. 
Why did you do that? Because your fault I'm here. If you had trained me to be a decent person, I wouldn't be here today. You should have disciplined me. <laughs> Parents have to train the children. The same way we have to take instruction from authorities, those who know what is the instruction of God, to train on ourselves in such a way that we can live a proper life and a happy life. We may think, let me just do whatever I like. But they say that, but people are not happy by doing whatever they like. Just like in America, they have this idea of freedom from the hippie era. Freedom means you can go wherever you like, do whatever you like. So there's so many airports and people are flying here and there. But I, yesterday I was in Los Angeles, today I'm in Chicago, tomorrow I'll be in New York. You think it's freedom just to fly around here and there. It's not freedom. Freedom means to get free from repeated birth and death. And if we talk about our natural inclinations, we should know what our natural inclinations are. And what is our deepest natural inclination? What do you think? I would say our deepest natural inclination is to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy. Does everyone agree with that? Right. So in this material world, we're acting in different ways, isn't it? People are doing all kinds of different things. With the ultimate object of what? Becoming happy. But practically we see that people are not becoming happy. So actually Krishna Consciousness is the training by which we can come to our natural position, which is to live with Krishna, laugh with Krishna, eat with Krishna, dance with Krishna. That is real happiness. But we have to reform our mentality because we're mentally diseased. We're all crazy. We're thinking that this body is a cause of happiness, which it isn't. It's a cause of suffering. It's the vehicle by which we suffer, 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 and get the suffering of death, and again we get reborn to suffer. So these rules and regulations, this training in philosophy, is just to bring us to our natural position. One who's trained in Krishna consciousness, he doesn't, you don't have to say to him all the time, you're the servant of Krishna, you're the servant of Krishna. Not only servant, he's... Time. Work, the living entity, God, and material nature. What is the cause of suffering? Of course, most people in the modern age, especially, are not very much interested in philosophy. But this is the subject matter of philosophy. What is the actual cause of suffering? Am I the cause of my own suffering, or is it simply that I'm being forced to suffer or enjoy? In this chapter, which is titled Nature, the Enjoyer, and Consciousness, Lord Krishna is giving the answers. Now, we may ask, well, what's it got to do with me? This is just some philosophical discussion. That is simply some intellectual waffle. But I have to live my life. It's not just some intellectual talk. This is vital to all of us. If we know what is the cause of suffering, then we can start to work on negating that cause and come out of suffering, be free from suffering. Now, mostly in the modern age, people are so dull-headed that they don't even see that they're suffering. Or they take happiness, the opposite side of the coin of suffering. They take happiness to be something which is actually just another kind of suffering. Just like, for instance, eating meat. Some people think this is a cause of pleasure. But actually, it's a horrible thing. Or rock music. This is considered something pleasurable. 
but it's just uh, inflicting some kind of disjointed, loud noises upon your consciousness. Or, the best example, of course, is the highest pleasure in the material world, sex, which is taken as this is the greatest pleasure. But actually, it's simply a cause of suffering, both before, during, and after. Before, people, people, male and female, they are simply titillating each other's senses. Then there is a sense, there is a frustration which arises in the heart called lust, a desire which arises called lust, which actually it does, it's not a source of pleasure. It's like a burning pain. That Lord Krishna describes in the Gita. That it's burning. It just goes on burning. Feel the burning feeling. Then the actors are doing it so much lead up. You have to talk with a woman in such a way, or a woman has to act with a man in such a way, very artificial manner, just to attract each other. Then when they come together, for a few seconds there's interaction, and then afterwards, feeling of, again, frustration. This uh, Jayavet Astronomy was reading out to me, one Frenchman had made some saying, one saying in French of all languages, because the French are famous for their proclivity in this area, saying that all animals, they are sad after sex. That's also described in the Bhagavatam. That in the heavenly planet, what are the heavenly planets? Why do people go? Because they, they want to go to Swarga. So they can enjoy Tekam Bhutva Swarga Lokam Vishalam. You can enjoy heavenly pleasures. So heavenly pleasure there means that if men have very strong, beautiful bodies and women have beautiful bodies and they can enjoy sex and no children, no children, because children mean suffering. You have to look after them. No children except at the end of life. So, even there it's described, even though they enjoy sex pleasure in beautiful bodies, more than we can imagine here. More beautiful than the Miss India. I saw in the newspaper they had Miss Lovely Legs and Miss Nonsense. Actually, it means someone's eye, means they're Kanata Brahmin family, Miss Lovely Lips, Miss Prostitute. She's made herself public prostitute number one. So even the women there are much beautiful than Miss Lovely Lips, prostitute Miss Pai, then uh, still they also have to accept, feel sorry. So what is taken as happiness in this material world is not happiness at all, it's suffering. But those who are enamored by this material energy, they take suffering to be pleasure. Those who are more intelligent, they come to Hare Krishna land on Sunday and listen to this lecture and try to understand what is actual happiness, what is suffering, why are we suffering? Those who are intelligent, the beginning of intelligence is, is to see that I am suffering. Because mostly people, they don't see that I am suffering at all. They take this nasty life. Bombay, modern city, means nasty life. How is everyone going to work? Squeeze in a train. And then also on the train, you have to be careful, pickpockets. And not even pickpockets, sometimes in the ladies' carriage, thief comes in and snatches the gold chain. And if there's any protest, then cut them with a knife or a razor. 
the horrible. And then in the work, what is the work? Some factory, office, work, work. Where is the pleasure? And what is the pleasure? You come home and watch NTV. That's another kind of suffering. That's all. Or you watch on TV, what is the movie? People killing each other. This is the pleasure. This is supposed to be pleasure. That you can relax and watch people shooting each other. This is pleasure. And all blood comes out. This is, oh, how wonderful. How nice. This is pleasure. This is advertised as pleasure. So, those who are more intelligent, they come and they listen to this. Bhagavad Gita, as it is, to understand that first thing we have to understand, if there's to be any question of spiritual life, so many questions may be there in spiritual life. Who is God? What is our relationship with God? First thing we should understand that this material world is not a place of happiness, it is a place of suffering. So many times, you see, young men, they're interested in Krishna consciousness. They're asking, well, they're not married, but they're asking, well, can't I just live at home and have a nice life with a nice family and nice children and at the same time be Krishna conscious? The answer is yes, you can do that, but if you don't have to burden yourself with all these things, if you can just practice Krishna consciousness and go back home back to Godhead without getting entangled in all these causes of suffering, then why get involved in that? Actually, family life, everyone is taking, this is so nice. But it's also, it's a cause of entanglement, suffering, anxiety, with no intrinsic meaning in it. No intrinsic meaning means that we come to family life, and because of maya, illusion, we think that this is, this is me, this is my life, this is my wife, this is my home, these are my children. But we don't think that so many lifetimes, we had so many fathers and mothers and children and Aunts and uncles, cats and uncles, everyone, people are thinking, this is very nice. I have a very nice family life. They don't think that this is nothing to do with reality. Because it's temporary. Reality means that I am spirit soul. I am the eternal servant of Krishna. So why should I enter into this unnecessarily? Those who are in family life, who are more enlightened in Krishna consciousness. They are thinking that, well, if I hadn't been entangled in family life, I could have been a brahmachari, and I wouldn't have to do all this work to maintain my family. I could have just preached Krishna consciousness all over the world. And those who are not in family life, they're thinking, I'd like to be Krishna conscious and have a nice family also. This is, Prabhupada uh, used to quote this saying, Gilika Ladu, Jokaya, Jokistaya. Jo Nakara Ubitista. Who's taken this Gulikalati? Prabhupada sometimes explains. It's not just some sweet, there's some other meaning also. Who's tasted, they're lamenting. Who's not tasted, they're also lamenting. The idea is that if you if you taste some something nice, then after you've eaten it you're thinking, oh now I have to eat just plain rice and dal. If I could have eaten such a nice thing again, that would be very nice. And those who never read it, they say, well, I also never read it. They're also lament. The same thing, those who are brahmacharis, they're thinking, let me get married. Everything will be very nice. And those who are married, they're thinking, 
Why did I waste my time? So like this. The whole material situation is full of suffering. This is the first thing to understand. Then how to get free from that? How to get free from that? We should consider. One should not be entangling himself in this material life. One should think how to get free from this. And first you have to see what is the cause of our entanglement. Why are we here? Now there are various theories about this. Different theories that God is the cause of our suffering. Very nice theories. God, our very kind Father, has decided that we should suffer. Some people say like this. That he wanted us to be like this. This is not a torture. Others say that, well, it's just destiny. It just happens automatically. If that is a fact, then there's no need to go to school. There's no need to do anything. If everything is completely according to destiny, then uh, why endeavor for anything at all? Actually, destiny is a fact. But we will it also a fact. Here in these verses, Krishna is giving the exact picture of the material world. What are the causes of entanglement? He's giving the exact picture. That the living entity, here is stated, the living entity is the cause of the various sufferings and enjoyments in this world. We can't blame it on anyone else. If we are suffering, then the blame comes on us. We can't blame. We are the cause of our own suffering. Material nature, that gives the situation in which we can enjoy our suffer according to our desires and activities. That is stated in the Srimad Bhagavatam that we get different kinds of bodies according to our karma under the direction of the Supreme Law. That is, this, that is described. So, we're getting different kinds of bodies according to our karma, our previous activities, and according to our desire. Now just see, these two different factors. Previous activities means that is our destiny. And there's the desire is a factor also. Now just like for instance, someone may like to eat different kinds of food. He's very much attached to food. Now, if he performs punya karma, he may get born in a rich family with a healthy body, and he can enjoy eating kachoris, gulab jamuns, puris, so many different nice things. So, he has the desire and the good karma to enjoy that. Now, if he has the desire that he's a sinful rascal, then he may get born as a pig, and he can eat all day and all night, all nonsense. So it's not simply that you desire and you get what you want, but there, there's the factor of your karma also. So the destiny is there, and God sees what you are destined for, what are your desires. God sees exactly. We see everyone is in a different situation. You won't find in history even that two people's thumbprint is the same. Why do they do the thumbprint for those that can't write? Because everyone, even two twins, identical twins, there's some kind of difference. Because the living being in this material world, he is carrying different concepts of life, from life to life to life, and so many different desires. There are so many different permutations and combinations of desires. Therefore, we get different kinds of bodies. There are Vedic sciences by which you can study various patterns, just like the, the science of physiognomy. You can see, just like, for instance, if people have very bushy eyebrows which are closely joined together, then you may not trust them. Or if someone stutters, that means that 
quite likely he was a liar in his last life. And there are different symptoms that you can see. You can see different karmic patterns. Science is there what you can see. But these are only general terms because every individual is different. Everyone has got their own different desires and that manifests in different kinds of bodies. These bodies are a manifestation of our desires and our previous activities under the direction of God. We want to enjoy in a certain way, God gives us a certain in the Gita, Lord Krishna states that we come into this material world because of two things, desire and hatred. Because we have a desire to enjoy this material world separately from Krishna, because we have a bad feeling towards Krishna. We don't want to serve Krishna. We are inimical to the service of Krishna. Therefore, we come to this material world and we get born in different species of life. We have the desire, let me enjoy why should Krishna be the center of enjoyment? I shall be the center of enjoyment. Let me enjoy. Everyone is thinking, isn't it? Every living being thinks in terms of their own self. To every person, they think, my own self, I am the most important. Just like, for instance, it may come in the newspaper. I saw this practically during that time of the earthquake in Latour. I was here in Bombay and then at 4 o'clock in the morning taking bath and 3.30 in the and all of a sudden, the, water, the shower started shrieking. So anyway, there was an earthquake. Then that night I was shut I went on the train to Gujarat. So I saw the news came, so many thousands of people killed and this and that. No one cared at all. They were just talking about, oh, the weather is too cold. Or, my child is, uh, my first son is getting married. Would you like to come to the wedding? Don't go. Don't get, don't care at all. Just like you see, in the newspapers there's so many things. That came one time, 20,000 people slaughtered, genocide in Rwanda, some country in Africa. Who cares? It's more important, I mean, oh, you see 20,000 people killed. So what? I hurt my toe this morning. A little itch in my toe. To me, this, I feel this is more important than 20,000 people killed in Rwanda. My own personal life, I think I am the... It's my own little universe I'm living in. What is happening in my world? We are so petty. We're thinking what I, what I am doing. That's so important. Someone said something bad to me today. So all day I'm thinking. When I see him again, I'll say something really bad to him. We live in such a petty, petty little world. Not thinking who is God, what is our relationship with him, because we're simply interested in our own enjoyment. To every living being in the universe, down to the little germs, down to the cockroaches, everyone is thinking, my own enjoyment, how I shall enjoy life. But we're not enjoying it. We're not enjoying this basic point we have to understand. We're not enjoying, and even if we think we're enjoying, it's a great illusion. It's just that feeling that we're enjoying is just another illusion of Maya to set us up to suffer more. It's like, for instance, there's this story in Srimad Bhagavatam of two birds, two lovebirds, who were enjoying life together very nicely. But that enjoyment became the introduction, the lead-in to their intense suffering. 
Kapota and Kapoti, pigeon and the female pigeon. They were very happy. Their ideal mates, their, their astrological chart matched completely. The wedding had been performed according to all religious principles. They were living very nicely, very happy. The pigeon and the female pigeon, they would look at each other with great love in their eyes and they would enjoy looking at each other's bodily features and singing to each other and they would go and bring food, they build a nice little home for themselves. Life was so nice. Then in due course of time, the female pigeon became pregnant and she, had, she laid the eggs. While she was sitting on the eggs to keep them warm, the male pigeon would go out very dutifully and bring back food and his wife, when he came back, she would flatter her eyelids and say, Oh, you're such a wonderful husband. This way he felt very nice and he'd go out and work hard all day, bringing worms and beetles and seeds and all kinds of nice things to eat. Then the children were born and their happiness knew no bounds. The little chicks were struggling to open their mouths, asking for food. This way, the, the husband and wife felt completely bound to each other and to their children with an intense bondage of love. So, gradually the children grew up, little, and the feathers grew. This way, the happiness of the parents increased more and more. They were feeling completely happy. So, they came to the stage where they could start to fly a little bit. So, one day, the pigeon, the male pigeon, went out a long distance to get food. He thought, let me bring back some very special food today, another special feast. I know in that river, two miles away, there's some very special little worms I bring from the everyone likes. So he was coming back. Then what had happened, one hunter, cruel hunter, came and he saw the pigeon family. He spread his net, this kind of net. Birds come in, they get stuck, they can't come out. So the little pigeons, naturally, they were not flying much, they were mostly walking. They are walking, flying a little bit, and walking, flying, they are very young still. So one by one they all got caught in the net. And when the female pigeon, she just, mother pigeon, she just gone a little distance away to bring some more food, she saw she felt as if her life was already finished because she knew, oh, now my, my children are caught. Our family life, which was so nice, what shall I do? Then she fainted, fell from the tree. She also fell in the net. And the hunter was very intelligent. He thought, here's baby pigeons, mother pigeon. Where there's mother pigeon, there must be father pigeon. So he waited. Then father pigeon came back, flying back, thinking, with a big mouthful of worms, thinking, oh, my family will be so happy to see this. They'll be so pleased with me. I'm such an ideal father and husband. No no one in the world can be more happy than me. He's thinking, you see this. What a wonderful family we have. So then he came back and lighted on the tree. He looked around and he saw his wife and all the baby pigeons struggling, pathetically calling out, calling to him for help, but there's nothing he can do to help. So what to do? He thought, oh, now my life is finished. What is the point of living? 
everything, the cause of all my happiness. My wife, who was so faithful and chaste, always served me with sweet words. And my children, I had so many plans for them, how we should get married and they would also live happily. Now, everything that I had to live for is simply lost. So he also, not feeling any more need to live, he simply fell into that and like a courageous husband, he died with all the rest of his family now. Of course, Prabhupada told this story a little differently. He said, <laughs> Prabhupada told this story that the pigeon, he saw them all caught in the net, and he thought, just see, I was in illusion for so long. I was thinking that my family members, they're the cause of all happiness, but it's all temporary. Now they're going to die. Now I'll take sannyas and go back to Godhead. So Prabhupada, he told that a little differently. But the point is that we are, what we are taking as happiness, it ultimately all ends in distress. This we should see. And what is the root cause of the distress? The root cause of our distress is that we are not identifying ourselves with service. That's suffering. What is that suffering? We endeavor to be happy in this material world is simply the cause of suffering, more suffering, and more suffering. The very endeavor itself, the very idea itself, is the cause of suffering. So if we want to be happy, which everyone does, then we have to accept this much, that I am not the controller, I am not the enjoyer, I am not the center of the universe, I am not God. Krishna is God. He is to be served. And if we do that, we'll be happy. It's a very simple thing. Then we may ask, why is it, if it's such a simple thing, and a natural thing, that people don't take it up? The reason is there because of this ahankar, false pride. But I should be the enjoyer. I should be the controller. Why should I bow down to Krishna? Because to serve Krishna, to attain our constitutional position of happiness, we have to take this humble position. That is required. Actually, that is natural for us also. We should be humble because we are insignificant. But because of this false ego, we are thinking, I am very important. Everyone should bow down to me. Why should I bow down to anyone else? Because of this sense of false pride, we cannot give it up. Therefore, we have to suffer. You see, even the yogis, they go to the Himalayas to perform austerities. Why? To get free from suffering, so they can enjoy spiritual happiness. They have realized that this material world is not a place of enjoyment. But they cannot accept the actual means of happiness. The yogis, they can perform very severe austerities. They can bathe. They can immerse themselves in the cold river in the winter for hours on end. And in the summer heat, they'll surround themselves by fire and sit under the sun. They'll have burning fires around them. They'll go for days without eating, living only on air. They can perform severe austerities. But one thing they cannot do they will not do if they won't surrender to Krishna. For them, they find it easier to perform these severe austerities than to simply accept that I am not very important, Krishna is important, I should surrender to Krishna. Rather than do that, they'll perform severe austerities. And by performing those austerities, they get mystic powers. They can read other people's minds. They can just, just put out their hand. What do you want? Ah. What do you want? You want some pomegranate? Here, take it, fresh from it. 
What do you want? Speak a watch? Why speak a robot? Say a trick, no my sword. They can do, they have some mystic city. So this instead of getting them free from illusion, this increases their illusion. Just see, people are praising me, I can do so many wonderful things. People are saying that I am God. Just like this Sai Baba, so called, whatever his name is. Uh, he has some power, no doubt, for some, from some previous life. So he can do some petty tricks, some petty things, some ashes, some gold necklace. So he is in the illusion that I am God. He's thinking, not only people are thinking, he's also thinking. Because of the illusion, he's thinking that I am God. Because he has some little shakti. So the maya, Captures the, captures the yogi, that austerity they're supposed to perform so they can get free from maya, but that maya offers here. You take mystic city, you can become invisible. You can make things appear in your hand. <gasps> See, and more maya. I'm so wonderful. I'm so great. I'm God. Everyone is thinking I'm God. Even the dogs are thinking. All the dogs, they're running. Who can bark the loudest? In Russian, they say dogs wedding, right? And the dogs are barking in the street. They're all, rub, 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 all, who can bark the loudest? In Russian, they call it dogs wedding. They're having a celebration. <coughs> They're all barking. So who can bark the loudest? And then all the others walk away with their tails down. And one with his tail up. Just see. <laughs> I am the greatest dog. Just like this Cassius Clay, 1964, Tokyo Olympics. Gold medal for boxing. Among all the people in the world, he could punch others more in the face, more hard. And when he punched, they went down. They didn't come up. Nine, ten, knock up. Then, gold medal. And what did he say, his slogan? I am the greatest. You're the greatest what? You're the greatest rapier. That's all. I am the greatest. Well, good. Now, he, then his body now. How old was he? 64. He must be well over 15. Or 15. So what is the greatest? Any 16-year-old kid can come, spit in his face. What will he do? Greatest what? You know, fat all these athletes, just athletics, big weightlifting. And then when they become older, they just become big blob. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the greatest blob. That's all. So there's great illusion. Even the dog is thinking, I am the greatest dog. I'm the best dog in the whole, in the whole week. I'm the greatest dog. So this illusion, I am great. Simply we have to give this up. And you become self-realized. How to become self-realized? One time Prabhupada was at this Gita Samela. All the Swami's big, big talk. For hours and hours and everyone. Gita means you, you have you extra sleep, that's all. And you get some punya by sleeping. No boring lectures. Ah, Brahma lean hojana hair. Looking out, who's there? Okay, time for our tea break. Then everyone becomes alone. So it's boring. So bad. Time came for him to give the lecture. He said, now everyone's talking about coming self-realized. We will become self-realized simply by taking prasadam. We took some Rajguru. 
you take one Rajgula of the Krishna, 